want to pick up this morning in the 10th chapter, looking at those verses that was just read in your hearing of Romans 10th chapter, verses 1 to 13. Dealing with the theme, if you can help me announce this to your neighbor, tell them, saving faith. Saving faith. Amen. If you look to your neighbor, to your other side, and make sure that they feel included, tell them, saving faith. We have used this term faith in many different ways. Many, many of us are familiar with Hebrews 11, chapter, first verse, that faith is now the substance of things, hope or evidence of things not seen. We may have argued about how faith without actions is dead. And you show me your faith in word, I'll show you my faith in deeds, as the author of James places it. Another time, we, we might heard that popular song talking about you got to have faith. And that song was popular, so people just kept on saying, well, you got to have faith. And, and many times we use that terminology of faith of to just imply just a simple aspect of trust or dependence or hope. Uh, but I want to bring, if you look in the context of Romans 10 chapter, that faith is a little bit more than something of dependence, something of trust, something of hope. But faith indeed is a lifestyle. I want to look and that he says that if you have faith that leads unto righteousness, then you're not living as those who had a zeal for God but had misguided knowledge. There's a lot of people that have a passion, that have a zeal, that have a contention for God, but they do not know how to, uh, to put it in, pra- in proper practice because they lack wisdom of understanding. When we look at this text, he says that there's many of them that have done righteous acts, but they're not righteous. Romans 3, 9 tells us that there's none righteous before the Lord. No, not one. All of us at some point or matter have gone astray, living in sin, living a life that's in rebellion to God. And because of that, we realize that the law was, 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 was helpless towards us, that the, the law was only a temporal uh, understanding, but we needed something eternal. Am I talking to somebody here this morning? That we needed something that would last from day to day. We needed something that would be with me, not just on today, but was with me yesterday. And hallelujah, Lord, have mercy. It will be with me on tomorrow. As the great hymn and write, morning after morning, new mercies I see. So great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. So we see here, if he has such great faithfulness and his faith is in action, how dare my faith be not in action? And so when I want to try to highlight on this morning a couple of principles that we need to understand in our faith, that our faith leads to submission to God. I had somebody with me, they, 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 they caught on to that. That faith leads to submission to God. Look back in the text, if you will. It said those who, who had no righteousness, uh, 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 knew righteousness, but had a zeal for God, but knew not what they were doing. Y'all see that there? But when you had faith, it, it made you subject unto God. But they were not subject to God. They were not obedient unto God. They had misdirected zeal. The New Living Translation says it at verse 2. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it's misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. We need to understand that when we do not subject ourselves to God, we reject God. 
Maybe help somebody out that, that, that missed it. Tell, that, that, tell, just tell your neighbor and say, don't reject God. See, God knows what's best for us. And, and, and so, therefore, he gives us instructions and directions. Paul pointed out that the law does not lead us to righteousness, but grace will give us righteousness. Uh, in our Bible study class, uh, Mother Cain said it so clearly. It says that God declares us. Righteous, meaning this, that no work can get it, no sacrifice can get it, but only when God says so. Has anybody had to do a say-so moment that somebody asks you why? You just said because I said so, that that's, that should be enough. I don't have to give you a reason. I shouldn't have to explain myself. If I said no, I meant no. Don't, don't ask me any more questions. If I said you can't go outside, child, you can't go outside. You don't need no explanations. You don't need no racing. If you really want to know, because I said so. And the beautiful thing that we can look at it that I can look at God and God, your word tells you that there's none righteous before you. So, God, how can I be righteous? Can somebody help me? What did God say? Because I. Oh, hey, I'm glad y'all with me here this morning. So when you said so, God, that made me righteous. I couldn't work it. I couldn't do it. I might have had missed the mark. Falling short of your glory. But, Lord, I'm passionate for you. I really love your God. And I, and I sing it Sunday after Sunday. I, oh, how I love the Lord. Or oh, one of my favorite songs, I lift my hand in total adoration unto you. You know, I love you, Jesus. I love you more than anything. But we say all those things, but we go right back out. And we're not subject to his spirit, but we're subject to our own passions, our own lusts. And, and we, though we may have good intentions. I heard someone say good intentions are the stairway to hell. I, I intended to go to church. I intended to get baptized. I t- intended to get my life right, but you did not intend to see that car. Help me, I tell your neighbor, tomorrow might be too late. So faith will lead to submission. Faith is not just I know it, head knowledge, but faith is I know it, I believe it, I live it. So knowing God means you know who you serve. And you know how to serve him. You serve him according to his will. I need to say that one more time. According to his will. The problem that we pray, Lord, that let thy will be done when we, when we end our prayers. But we're not praying according to his will. We, we are praying for our desire and say, Lord, let that be your will is what we're trying to say. Lord, may it be your desire that I be a millionaire. Lord, may it be your desire that I never be broke. Lord, may it be your desire that I never be without of a house or a home. That's what we want. We want it to be his desire, but that's our desire. But yet we should be able to come out this way and say, Lord, though you slay me, yet I, I will trust you. Lord, not my will be done, but thy will be done. Lord, Lord, Lord I don't want it my way, but Father, have your way, Almighty God. Lord, I, I, I don't want to surrender to the flesh, but Lord, to you, I surrender all, all to Jesus. I surrender. Lord, have thine own way, Lord, have thine own way. You are the potter. I am the clay. We need to put ourselves total, independent, and subjected to him and say, Lord, as long as I'm in your hands, I'm in the right hand. So, but zeal without wisdom leads to misguided judgment. Our passion for God will not save us. 
A lot of us have great passion. A lot of us have great desire. A lot of us can quote scripture and back and forth and say, I love him and do all this. But that's not going to save you. Only when you submit to who showed us the greatest passion. The passion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's what saves us. And so in this faith that leads to submission means I will surrender to the will of God. Which means you'll go where he sends you. You will say what he tells you to say. One of the process of when we look at faith, when you look at Hebrews and it talks about faith, it gives you people who demonstrated faith more than just professed it. It says that Abraham left a land to go to a land he did not know. But he went to believing that our God that called him, that called him out, knew what was best for him. And so this faith, this trust in God led to righteousness. Y'all catch that? And do you understand that there was no law when he called Abraham? So Abram's only dependence on God led him to righteousness. Abram could not do any works that made him right, but just his trust in God, God declared that he was a righteous man. Let me help somebody out. What I'm trying to say here is that many of us want to say, as long as I do this, God will make me righteous. And wrong, try again. It's as long as you confess. Jesus Christ as Lord and believe that he died on the cross and rose from the grave. That's what salvation is. But that's not the end of it. Then now you since you confess for the one who died for you, then you must live the life for him. Because how, how dare that if he died for us, we can't live for him. But yet that song came out, I'm living for the city. Money, money. Or the other popular song, Just Got Paid, Friday Night. We get excited when we can sensualize our senses. We get excited when we can do things for ourselves. But God did not create us for ourselves. God created us for his glory. Yes, he created us them. I like it how God makes it clear in the beginning of his own book. Y'all know the Bible, his book, right? No, it's his story that he told to us so us understand. And he said, let us make man after our own image. I, I made you to be like me, not for you to be an utter dis- disrespectful fool. So he says, I want you to be holy for I'm holy. I want you to be righteous for I am righteous. Be ye perfect for I am perfect. We see that quoted within the scripture. So God says, I have to give you instructions how to do that. But yet I also have to give you some supplements. Because when you mess up, you have to make a sacrifice. Something has to be done to make you right. You understand that they always had to have the fire burning. Daily there were sacrifices before the Lord in the tabernacle. But now do you understand that there's one sacrifice? Jesus' death was good for all. Can you tell you, can you tell your neighbor Jesus' death was good for all? And so if you believe that his death was good for all my sins, all my iniquities, all my transgressions, all my pitfalls, all my downfalls, all my shortcomings, then it should cover me enough that I don't want to go back to that mess that I've been saved from, go back into darkness, go back into slavery, go back into embalming. But no, I'm going to walk in his liberty. I'm going to walk in his life. I'm going to walk after the spirit and not after the flesh. Why is that? Because there's no condemnation. To those in Christ Jesus. Right there, the first chapter, eight chapter, there's no kind of, and so therefore I don't, I no longer, somebody say I no longer. 
Walk after the flesh. Sometimes we got to say to convict ourselves because we know for a matter of fact that we got some fleshly ideas right now. That's why Paul reminded we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities, that we got to overcome the evil man by saying, Lord, no longer am I going to live in this flesh, but I'm going to put on the power of God and you're my hello somebody. I'm going to put on your spirit. I'm going to walk in your truth because my weaponry is not carnal, but mighty in power. Is your weapon mighty in power? If your weapon is mighty in power, tell your name, mine's mighty in power. Because it comes from a mighty God. Who is the mighty God? Is he a mighty God? Is he the king of kings, lord of lords, host of hosts? He is truly the, the executive chief officer. He knows what's best and he's given us all authority, all power to overcome the enemy. And so therefore my faith leads me into righteousness in Christ. Ephesians 2 and 8 says that what? For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And, not, and this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. It's for by grace you have been saved through faith. Look closely here about this faith aspect. Look at verse 6 in Romans 10 chapter. But faith's way of getting right with God said, says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven. And don't say we'll go down to the place of the dead. What he's pointing out that those who do not have faith in Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, they're looking for somebody still. They're looking for somebody still. It's a desperate state to be in, a, de- in a, a place of desperation, waiting for the help to come, and they never come. I don't know any of you ever been left cold before, that people forgot you, but it's a sad state. And many times I, I got left behind because I thought I knew where I was going. And I didn't know where I was going. I was going somewhere to get lost. And I remember we were somewhere in Tennessee we were at this big, nice mall, and I wanted to go to the toy store, and they didn't want me to go to the toy store yet, but I saw the toy store nearby, so I figured I could get over there and get back with them before they missed me. But they assuming their child was with them. They left, and I left out their sight, and now they're looking for me. I'm crying down by the water fountain. Sitting there at the water fountain crying, just like, when they find me, will I ever make it back home? Will anybody know who I am? Do they know my parents? Will they find me? And then my parents found me, and my, my, my brothers and sisters, they were laughing, and they tell me all the fun things they had. They said they had french fries, they had ice cream, and now it's time to go. And I'm, I missed it because I thought I was going to do it. I, I missed out on all the fun because when they found me, it was time to go. I missed out on all the fun because I thought I was having fun. And so that's a lonely place to think you're doing right, but you're all by yourself. You're waiting for somebody to come, and nobody comes. We have people like that dying in this world today that do not understand what saving faith looks like. They think they got it, and so they're living a life of emptiness, of depravity, of being desolate, and waiting for somebody to step in at the right time to save them from this mess. You see it right there? So, so when we know the faith, we say it's not somewhere else. It's in us. It's in my mouth. It's, in my, it's on my lips. It's in my heart. Where, what's in me? The word. Because my faith submits me to his word. So therefore, I know his word. I meditate on it day and night. Psalm says, blessed is he. Does not sit. Do not basically saying, blessed is the one that does not sit. Do not dwell or counsel with wicked scoffers and mockers. 
but his delight is on the word of God, which he meditates on day and night. Then he said he's like a tree. Planted by the river means that that tree is close to the source. And that his leaf never withers, never fades, but always gives fruit in due season. If you don't understand what it means in due season, it means at the right time. And so if I meditate on this word day and night, I realize that at the right time. Come on, somebody. I'm going to have something to give back. At the right time, I won't be weak. At the right time, I won't be small. At the right time, I won't be, be in the wrong place. But at the right time, God will em- embolden me. Because we need to realize this closely here, that when I have the saving faith of submitting myself to God and realize that when I submit myself to God, God declares me righteous. No longer am I desiring to do unrighteous things. Would be just like Paul that says, though, 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 I want to do good, evil is always right there. But yeah, what Paul is pointing out that I don't have to give in to it. Tell, you, tell your neighbor, you don't have to give in to it. Because you can walk in the truth that you know. The truth is in you. The truth is around you. You, you feel the, the urge to lie, but thou shalt not lie. So you remind yourself, now I'll tell the truth. You know how the saying goes, confession is good for the soul, but bad for the reputation. You may ruin your reputation with man, but God said, that's my daughter. And that's my son that stood up and spoke the truth. Why? Because you submitted to his will. And so the faith of saving faith means this, that my faith is in action. Why? I submit to him. So, Lord, have thine own way. And, and the hardest way for us to do that is realize that to be submissive basically means to be bent. Some of us have never been bent. We are too proud. We stay upright. We demand our authority. We demand how right we are. We prove it to an exhaustive point. But Proverbs and other reminders that God gives grace to the humble. But he opposes the proud. Jesus gave the great parable about those who exalt themselves will be humiliated. But those who humble themselves will be exalted. And so when I submit myself to God, I will be exalted. How will I be exalted? As you ask that question. Well, if I confess with my mouth and believe in the heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God rose him from the dead, y'all missed it. (laughs) If God rose him from the dead, And he told us that I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am there, you may be also. If Paul goes on to write that we'll take off mortality and put on immortality, we'll take off corruption and put on incorruption, that we'll be raised up with him, I'm going to be exalted. So I can humble myself in this God-forsaken earth. Y'all know this God, this this earth is forsaken, right? It's left for destruction, right? <laughs> he's going to destroy it by fire. And then he's going to make a new heaven, a new earth. The revelation says, I see a new heaven, a new earth coming down. In my own mind, imagination, God has, has it already prepared. And he's just waiting for us to inhabit it. But yet we have to realize this. When I have to humble myself here, 
after walk with a bow down head and a circumspect heart to say, Lord, Lord, may the words of my mouth meditation my be acceptable in thy sight. That, Lord, that my faith leads me in my direction. If God is true and a man's alive, then let me stay to his word, which is true. There's a lot of people that want to contradict God's word. That's why I have us open up our Bible to see for ourselves because the truth is in there. And so if he, if, he, if he declares us righteous, if we confess, look at verse 13. It says, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. He's letting us know all, whether you're Jew, whether you're Gentile, whether you're Greek. Basically saying, no matter where you come from, if you call on him, you shall be saved. This is the initial salvation. I, I'm, I'm going to close on this aspect of understanding that, the, that there's two parts of salvation. The first part of salvation is being, having saving knowledge of who Christ is. That's the confession part. Confess that Jesus did die on the cross and God raised him from the dead. That's the first part of salvation. That you realize that no longer you, are you living in darkness. You are no longer have the veil over your eyes, but Christ has removed the veil from your eyes that you can walk in truth. Let me help somebody out that when you learn better, you did better. Am I right about it? And so Jesus came and revealed the truth to us. So now we need to walk in truth, live in truth. I'm helping somebody out that that now that you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, he says that you should love one another. Now you understand what it means to love one another, because all you got to do is look back at yourself. So, Lord, I was a wretch undone, and I know I wasn't forgiven, folks, but you forgave me. Lord, I was a lie, I was a cheat, I was a thief, but you still are blessing me. So, Lord, if you've done so much for me, how dare I rebel against you? How dare I go against your commandments? Because I trust in you, I believe in you, and you tell me that I am not your disciple if I don't love one another. So, Father, I want to love one another. I want to be forgiven towards one another. I want people to look at me and see you. That's my initial saving faith, that, Lord, I believe who you are and what you have said. I believe the totality of everything that you are. Because some people confess Jesus as Christ but not Lord. You know there's a difference. The Christ means the anointed one, the one to come. Lord means that he's over everything. And some of us have made him Messiah in our lives. And yes, he did come, but he's not Lord. Because I'm sitting on the throne. It's, it's my house. This is my marriage. This is my job. This is my car. But my Bible always reminds me when I read to it that the earth is the Lord. And the fullness thereof. But I got the nerve to say this is mine. Uh, David said it this way. Lord, we brought everything that we had. And we realized God is yours in the first place. Some of us look in our wallet when it's time to give, and we get, we get hesitant saying, this is all I got. You need to change it up and say, this is all the Lord gave you. Mm, y'all missed it. Because everything we have is from him. I digress. Let me get back to the saving faith aspect. <laughs> when we realize this aspect of our saving faith, we realize the totality of his person. That we believe he's fully God, he's fully man. And therefore we say we're our followers of Christ. Y'all say that? Everybody say you're a Christ follower? Anybody say that you're a Christian? Anybody say I'm a disciple? Well, it means you must have a teacher. It means you must have a leader. It means you must have somebody that's giving you instructions so you know the way. 
And so in order for you to be his, be a Christian, to follow him, in order to be a follower of Christ, in order to be his disciple, well, you must sit under his teaching. And to sit under his teaching, the totality of our salvation faith is that, Lord, I want to have your word hidden upon my heart that I might not sin against you. Because if you hate sin, God, I want to hate sin. Come on, somebody. Lord, uh, we say that sometimes in our songs, break my heart, God, with things that break your heart. But your heart should have been broken before you even said that message. Come on, somebody. That we need to realize that, God, there's so much hatred, there's so much sin all around us. How dare we walk around like there's nothing wrong? But we should be broken to see people that are willing to go to hell. So if you have this living faith as Christ and used to just as Christ, you need to go tell somebody else the good news of Jesus Christ. Do you not see that right there in the text? For the scripture tells us anyone who trusts in him, verse 11, will never be disgraced. Anyone who trusts him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile, all the same in the respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So the initial salvation that you have, you need to be willing to tell somebody else. Can someone say all? All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All means no matter what condition you are, no what country you are, no what matter your economic status, no your tax bracket, your, your, your political affiliation, all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Which means he can change you and quicken you with his Holy Spirit. Do you understand that when you confess Christ, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit? If you did not know that, let me help you out. Jesus said, I must go away. So that I can send my Holy Spirit. He told them in Acts first chapter, y'all go read it for yourself, that they was waiting for him to send his Holy Spirit. And then after that, they kept on teaching that, that, that if you confess Christ, you receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same power is what rose from the dead grave. And so if you can help somebody else who's dying out there to help them to realize that you can have hope, a saving faith of Christ, then give them, then, then, then you can pour them to the total of salvation. Towards the first part of salvation is that initial, that saving faith, believing. As soon as there's believing, there's salvation. The second aspect of total salvation is when he comes back. Some of us may not fully grasp that and understand that because it's been so long that we just think it like, yeah, whatever, but yeah, it could be tomorrow. Man does not know the day nor the hour Christ will come back. You may see somebody said at this time, whatever. I don't care what they had to say. I'm going by what God says. He says, I'm going to come like a thief in the night. He says that if you knew the thief was coming, would you not stay awake? Hello, somebody. So he's not going to tell us when he's coming so we can stay awake and see what he's going to do. He's going to come like a thief in the night. Man does not know the day nor the hour. That's why I say get your life in order. While it's day for the night come when no man shall work. It's coming to a time that we need to stop playing with God and say, Lord, I want to be right with you. Because you can't play with salvation. God will not be mocked. You reap what you sow. 
Some people are playing around with God, saying, he's going to forgive me, so let me go out and get drunk again. Let me go out and get high again. He's going to forgive me when I come back into the church. But I want to tell you this, that those who have the seed in him no longer continue to sin. So some of y'all need to say, and have I been born again? Because to be born again means to be like him. That means I, uh, I abhor sin. I hate sin. I no longer find it okay to mess with and then leave it alone. We need to grasp that he desires for us to be like him. That's the totality of salvation, that he's going to come and completely make us a change. But now we should be moving forward towards that change. All who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so as we see this, faith leads us into obedience and submission unto God. Faith will lead us to surrender to the obedience of God. We will trust him for he is trustworthy. We'll depend on him because he's our deliverer. And we'll be secure in him because he is our savior. I want you to grasp this aspect of the saving faith aspect and, and want you to look over your life and say, have I fully trusted him? To fully trust, I mean, Lord, your marriage is, my marriage is your marriage. My house is your house. My finances are your finances. And here's the test. Here's the test. And I'm going to close with this. Here's the test of saving faith. That righteous works cannot save you. That's why it says they have a passion and they know his law, but that's not going to save them. And what, what the, as same as it is now, it was then that they believed the rich were blessed. They believed the rich were blessed. Why? Then God must have favor on them because look at the house. Look at them, you know. And we say that same thing. We say, oh, God's been good to you. You look so good. God's been good to you. That, that beggar out there on the street, God has not been good to him, you're trying to tell me? But that's what we're saying, that since you look good, God must be good. But God letting us know that don't get caught up with the rich man. For it is harder for the rich man to get in the kingdom of heaven than it is for the camel to get into the needle of an eye. The disciples caught on to it and said, Lord, well, what about us? And that's why he said, for man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Tell your neighbor, nothing is impossible with God. And God meant that literally because it's impossible for a camel to go through an eye of a needle. It's impossible. Y'all missed it. Rich man don't want to get his clothes dirty. Why am I going to bow down and get under something? But yeah, God says, if you humble yourself before me, I'll make it possible. someone out there that's been holding on to something for so long, thought they could do it, but they can't do it. But with God, all things are possible. Just let it go. And bow down before him. For he is Alpha, he is Omega. He is the beginning and the end. He is the first and the last. He's the author and the finisher of our faith. So just place your faith, your trust in him, your life in him. And let him show you all the way to the end. To when Christ comes back on the cloud and, and you receive him before the throne. And you hear those words, well done. Well done. My good and faithful servant. You see, he said faithful, didn't he? So your faith should be evident in your living. May you surrender. May you receive his righteousness. May you obey him until he comes back again.
Let us pray. Father, we come to you right now, God. Thanking you, Almighty God, that you loved us so much that you did send Jesus to die on the cross for our sins. And Father, Lord, it may be someone here who has not confessed with their mouth and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ did die on the cross, that you raised him from the dead. But Lord, we thank you that your word has already told them this promise, that if they do confess and believe in their heart that Jesus Christ as Lord did die on the cross for the sins and that she did raise him from the grave, that all who call on the Lord shall be saved. Father, touch their hearts right now. We thank you. See them right where they are. We thank you, Lord. You came while we were yet still sinners to show us your grace and your mercy. Have your way with us, O God, we pray. Amen.